This is Looking Back, Moving Forward, a podcast of the undergraduate class of MIT 1994. The goal is to get an audio recording of our entire class, a chance to hear from old friends, and an opportunity to meet the classmates you didn't know you needed to know. Welcome, everybody, to the Class of 1994 podcast. This is Episode 2, January 18th, 2021. My guest today is Paul Lanzalotta. So, Paul, you want to say hi? Hi there. Good to see everyone here. Thank you, Paul. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to our class. Um, going to start out with some of the basic boring questions so people can kind of place where you were on campus and right. where they might have seen you. Um, what did you study at MIT? I studied uh, mechanical engineering for my major, um, and my minor was uh, history. Nice. And did you go into MIT thinking you were going to be a mechanical engineer? Uh, I did only because I was I started out as Air Force ROTC and at the time I don't know if they still do this I think they may where you I basically had to apply for a major and then they told me that I was majoring in in mechanical engineering I I was more interested in uh, course sixteen before all that happened um, but actually as it turns out I think. I'm not sure I would have made it through Unified back then, the way it, the way it was set up. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that that seemed intense. I was also a mechanical engineer, so yeah, I I'm like, well, I feel like I got all the same knowledge, but did not have to take Unified. So, um, yeah, I, I, did you know what mechanical engineers did before coming to MIT? I, I did. Yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm youngest of six children, so uh, two of my older siblings studied uh, Mechy. Uh, my oldest brother um, was a double E at MIT when I was a very young kid, uh, so I saw that was I saw what that was all about, um, and wanted nothing of it. Um, but he he went back for uh, graduate work and was in the Mechie department, and I really liked the uh, just the culture, um, and just you know I'm more of a hands-on person, uh, more of a mechanical thinker. So yeah, I, I kind of knew. Uh, but also, I was again. I was I was in this ROTC mindset, and I wanted to fly airplanes. And it was sort of a, you know, let's study this and get a useful degree, but let's also uh, be ready to 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 uh, learn how to fly military aircraft. And did you get to fly military aircraft? Yes. Yeah, I did. So I, I ended. It was a bit of a torturous path. I I changed from Air Force ROTC to uh, Navy. Um, about midway through my time there because the Navy seemed like a better prospect for flying and then uh, that's how it turned out. So I've been in naval aviation for the entirety of my adult uh, producing years. Did you go in to the Navy thinking you were going to make a career of it? Um, you know, I, not really. I, I wasn't really sure. I, I knew that um, it was what I liked doing, and I sort of, in a shallow way, just told myself, well, if I enjoy what I'm doing, um, and it's still, you know, rewarding, then I, I would probably just keep doing that. Um, but I didn't necessarily think that I would have the, either the luck or the talent to, to do what I'm doing for as long as I have been, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just seemed like very unlikely to be able to, 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 to do all the things you need to do to 
make rank and and yeah all the things that that need to come together for a career i i didn't really see that for me i was i was a bit of an outspoken loudmouth young young person so um now, so yeah so now that, you're commanding them excellent <laughs> yeah yeah no i've learned a lot and matured a lot over the years so a lot of humbling moments i would say do you have a favorite class or professor while you were on the MIT campus? I do. I saw that question in your in your initial thing, and that was one of the reasons why I responded because I do think that um, that was one of the, the the strong points of studying at the institute. Um, so, probably my favorite, just to be honest, uh, was in my minor area. So the history department was really small, but Dr. Uh, Pauline Meyer. Um, taught a couple of the courses that I took, and she was just really, really good. And she, she had so much energy for the, the, the material, and she thought about things in a way that I had never really considered before. And uh, I appreciated her, her style. And I, I was actually just as I was preparing for this last night, I was looking up online, you know, like what, what's she doing now? And unfortunately, I realized she had passed away back in uh, 2013. Um, and I really wish I, w I would have been able to uh, to make a tribute to her because she really uh, in influenced how my approach for learning and just to see her passion for the for the material. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, our humanities department was really surprisingly strong. I mean, we didn't fantastic. have the <laughs> yeah we didn't have the breadth maybe that the liberal arts schools do, yeah. but um, definitely um, I really enjoyed. The classes that I took. Yeah, um, they were a lot harder than I thought they were going to be. I, I always remember signing up for some of the courses thinking like, all right, this one's going to be the easy one. And then it totally wasn't. Yeah, no. Well, just finding the time to read and write. and Yeah, it, it was um, with everything else, with all the technical <laughs> courses on top and problem sets. Right. It's interesting. Right. So I also liked uh, 202. I um, I meant to pull out my uh, course catalog so I don't get the professor's name wrong, but he was awesome. Like he was a really dynamic um, professor. I don't know if you if you were a Mechie, if you would remember who that person was. Dynamic. I, I, yeah, I. You know, it's funny. I like two hundred one, two hundred two, and two hundred three were some of my least favorite classes. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'm like, and somehow I, I still persisted. Um, but I loved, I loved thermo and I two forty and mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I liked other parts of it. And yeah, and now I'm doing manufacturing. So um, there you go. Knew? You know, one does not know how where th where your paths right. are going to lead. But where did you live while you were on campus? So I lived on the Boston side um, in one of the paternity houses over there. So uh, I lived at Sigma Phi Epsilon right on Beacon Street, um, which made it, I think that was uh, a good thing for me in terms of having just a little bit of separation from the campus. Um, and it's it's really where I learned more of the people things, as you might imagine. Yeah, definitely. And beautiful ho beautiful homes over there, too. So. <laughs> Sometimes. <yeah. laughs> Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> they cleaned up well, maybe. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's what I mean. When it was rush and uh and probably during the winter we, we'd spend a good amount of time working on the house where do you call home now uh, i live in virginia beach uh virginia uh like you said i'm 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 navy so we we've my family and i have lived all around um the world really we, everywhere from here on the east coast to uh we lived in southern maryland for a little while and uh down in florida and overseas, we lived in Stuttgart, Germany for a couple of years. And then just uh, my last move uh, was back from, we lived in uh, just south of Tokyo in Japan for a couple of years, too. 
So are you ship-based or land-based? Uh, now I am uh, sh I'm on a ship. I've been on ships for the last uh, few years. So actually last week I just checked into my my most recent assignment. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm the getting ready to be the captain for USS Gerald R. Ford, uh, the new uh, carrier that's in the fleet. Congratulations. Thanks. That's quite, a, quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it's very humbling. <laughs> very humbling. <laughs> In, in the time of COVID, I have to ask, are there concerns about your members or being um, in such close quarters or how, yes. are, they how yeah. are they hand how are they handling that these days? So So it's it's pretty complex as you might imagine. Um, over the last year there's just a myriad of policies that have that have uh, developed the Navy developed to try to maintain. We we've for I think decades have had quarantine protocols for, for this kind of thing. Uh, and then as COVID has evolved, I think those have been refined in terms of how we handle travel and how we handle um, contact tracing. And if you've been a potentially exposed, you know, one of the, the real challenges of this disease is, is being able to have it yet be asymptomatic and, and potentially still spreading it. Um, and then, you know, the big news item last year with aircraft carriers was uh, the Theodore Roosevelt and the, and the captain uh, being fired for how he dealt with that. Um, and that was really on the leading edge, I think, of the, the pandemic and, and the Navy's response. So it was really a challenging time. And I think we're a lot more mature right now. Um, so it's, it's, it's a thing that's um, actively being managed. And now the vaccination process is also like layered on top of that, another policy thing and an ex execution level thing that, that we're dealing with and, and working through. Um, so it's pretty complex. And yeah, absolutely. I think to answer your basic question, I think there's always concern for sailors and maybe a little bit more for sailors' families um, because there's the, our population for young sailors is generally very healthy. Uh, but that's not always the case in terms of who they interact with uh, when they go home. Interesting. Yeah. Now I've been on an aircraft carrier, and it's yeah, um, it's it's tight in certain spots. So um, I can imagine it's quite a challenge for you guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the stuff that that we've worked out is is pretty straightforward and basic and not surprising. Like w the way we eat is different now. We normally would just uh, congregate on, on what we call the mess decks and, and everyone packs in and eats and socializes. And there's a social and teamwork benefit to that. Um, and now, you know, for example, in the last few months, because the ship needs to be able to kind of just minimize any, any uh, close contacts, um, we've got more of a dispersed and distributed eating model. Um, and then with that, you have just the how do you handle food trash? You know, that's the <laughs> that's the the kind of um, nuts and bolts things that you have to get to. Like, okay, well, it's it's good to go eat in your in your work center, but then you have to make sure that whatever, wherever you throw that away does not become a source of uh, of any kind of uh, sanit sanitary issues. You know, with bugs or whatever. Well, where will you be deploying to, or? Um, I think can we're going to be that? mostly, <laughs> so the ship right now is in the, yeah, you can have, um, the, the ship right now is in its post-delivery testing and trials period, um, which uh, is, is a programmatic uh, window of time where the ship gets uh, evaluated and its many, many subsystems are evaluated for effectiveness and reliability and, and all that. Um, lately, the ship gets underway quite often 
and goes out to sea in the Virginia Capes area at war off of Jacksonville, kind of that that those parts of the world um, to do the trials. Um, so the other thing the ship does quite a bit of is is it um, the carrier qualification training for all the new aviators that are joining the uh, the fleet. Um, so that's one of the ways that the ship, even though it's still in like a developmental phase of its of its uh, acquisition, it it also benefits the Navy by, you know, I think something like 600 aviators have been qualified on USS Gerald R. Ford in the last year. Wow. Uh, so mostly local stuff. And then over the coming years, uh, I think that, that uh, playground, if you will, will expand significantly, you know, across the Atlantic, et cetera. I'm just curious because you are commanding so many people and you've been doing this for a while. Has your command style changed based on you know, we've heard so much about millennials and Gen Z. Like, mm. have you had to adapt? Um, not too much. I think the basics are still the basics, is how I would say, how I would answer that. I mean, maybe some of the communication methods are different. Um, but I think at a at a more foundational level, building trust is one of the most important things you can do. And I think that's, the, you know, that's important for the, the generations that are currently coming into the Navy or, or serving the Navy compared to the ones, you know, from 10 or 15 years ago when I was in my first uh, command job. So I think it's evolved maybe a little bit, but um, the basics are still the same. You know, having a trusting uh, culture and having a just culture where people understand that what they do has, you know, consequences that are predictable. Um, and then, you know, stuff like... As the as the commanding officer say that something's important to me, I need to demonstrate that with my actions, and I think that's probably true whether you're in the Navy or not in the Navy. And I'm sure you've you've got plenty of examples of where that's gone right or wrong in in your professional experience too. Just can't imagine. I've never had to manage quite the number that you have. So <laughs> yeah, well, the key um, is the teamwork thing. I, I think you know. I'm sure you've. It's it's not exactly rocket science. Um, but having a good blend and, and diverse uh, team of leaders at the next. So there are 20 direct reports that, uh, that I'll have, um, 20 departments on the ship. And each of those departments is led by a really, really capable leader. Um, so having active communication with them, you know, have, having a good uh, uh, means for getting uh, informational things out there to them so they can just take initiative and, and get the job done on their own without me having to tell them exactly how to do it is is huge. Um, and then when you get synergy uh, with those folks, it, it just becomes very, very rewarding. can imagine. Um, do you get to select those people or are they selected for you? No, yeah, curious in the military how this works. That's a good works. question. No, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> the hiring and firing thing is... is uh, is not entirely under my influence. It's under it's under my influence to a certain degree, but not under my control. If that makes sense. So I don't I don't pick the names. Uh, we the Navy Personnel Command typically does does that, and they've got a whole process. And a lot of times it's it's driven more by the timing of the uh, the people involved uh, when they're leaving their previous job, when when a job's going to be opening, and that sort of thing, and who's available, who's actually qualified to do that stuff. So. Um, some of these jobs are, are pretty elite. Uh, for example, the, the person in charge of the reactor department who's going to be leading you know, hundreds of sailors and, and um, 
operating and maintaining a nuclear propulsion plant. That person is a uh, is a command experience surface warfare officer, and there's really just a handful of people that are qualified to do it. So um, they require training. They require you know the the timing, the career timing to be able to show up. Uh, ready to go. And then to further complicate that, uh, Gerald R. Ford has a a newer and different propulsion plant than all the other nuclear-powered ships that are active in the Navy. So, you know, you can kind of probably see where I'm going. There's a lot of uh, things that need to go into who gets to do which job. Yeah. Going to learn something new. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully it all goes well. So. Yeah. Hope is not a plan, though. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not with the nuclear. Um, so, anything else you'd like to share with the class? Um, well, I, I would just, or, yeah. I would say, yeah, that that one bullet on about memories. I think uh, one of my um, most memorable times was being able to be part of the uh, the ring. Uh, design committee so that you, you know the the history and lore associated with the brass rat is. Um, is in, is cool, you know. It's got a very unique uh, connection to MIT, um, and I I really enjoyed working with the the people on that committee because it really was a very diverse group, and and underscored how how valuable that can be, you know, to hear where people are coming from, um, and to listen. You know, it's hard to do things by committee, uh, but but I think. I think in that case it worked out really well. And then I remember the night that we did our, you know, our, I don't know what they called it, like our ring celebration Reveal or, or ring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was super fun. And I remember feeling like, man, I actually, I'm part of this group now until we could wear that ring. I, I didn't, I felt like, I don't know if I'm going to make it sometimes, you know, and once I put that rat on my finger and it was uh, facing in the proper direction, I, <laughs> I, uh, I felt like I was, I was, I was part of the, the bigger thing the bigger um, institute and, and that, that that's probably a pretty memorable time for me. Nice. I, I still wear mine from time to time. So, and it definitely gets recognized. Um, yeah, that's, so. that's the challenge, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just, you, so sometimes I don't wear it cause I'm like, I just don't want to deal there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't I, want the questions. <laughs> so. I, I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you did. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't always self, uh, self-identify as as an MIT grad because there are there's a lot that goes with that I think yeah, there's definitely an expectation of I yeah I don't know an Einstein brain or something and um, yeah. although I like to think I'm smart um, I'm bound to disappoint yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, not at that level so um, yeah so last thing I guess um, anybody from our class that you would like to hear from yeah I, I so I had a couple of uh, people in mind I think um Dave DiCaprio works down in Austin, Texas. He's uh, he's been in technology um, since since we graduated, and uh, you know a lot of our classmates I feel like went into fields n totally not connected with the uh, with the field of study. But I think I think Dave definitely did, and it'd be interesting to talk with uh, another. And I haven't stayed in too close a contact. That was a hard uh, uh, part of the question, I think. But Sorry. but um, but I know he'd be an interesting person to talk with uh, based on his work. And and uh, another friend of mine, uh, John Teichert, who's uh, he's actually uh, in the Air Force and has flown uh, fighter aircraft and strike fighter aircraft in the Air Force and been involved with test and evaluation. And he's actually in um, 
Baghdad right now is the, uh, I, I want to say he's the senior defense uh, representative there. So he's, he's a brigadier general in the United States Air Force. I'm very proud of him and, uh, and glad for his friendship over the years. Um, and, and it might be interesting to, to talk with him. Thank you for those names. And more importantly, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. May you have fair winds and following seas.